0: Weather manipulation is real, the question then becomes to what extent is this reality or is this proposal an actual thing that is being implemented into our real lives, right? And you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist or someone who is seen as some type of very out there character to have to, be- to-, to believe in these kind of things, or at least to believe in weather manipulation. So let me just jump right into it. How is weather control technology done? So, most weather control technology is based on some form of weather seeding, known more commonly within the intelligence communities and top levels of government as cloud seeding. So, cloud seeding in its most basic form involves injecting salt, dry ice, silver iodide or other chemical particles into clouds, either by ground generators or by airplane in order to promote rainfall. Naturally forming raindrops appear in clouds when there is a presence of condensation nuclei, tiny particles that attract water condensation. Natural condensation nuclei vary. They can be salt from the ocean, soot from fires, soil from winds or other natural particles. Cloud seeding technology accelerates the condensation process by introducing chemical particles into the cloud which stimulate and or create what's called super nuclei water condenses around the particles which then causes large droplets to form once the cloud has hit its saturation point the rain falls interestingly cloud seeding can also be used as a method for preventing rain as well using more or less the same chemicals in different amounts cloud seeding participate uh, sorry particles can produce ice crystals that evaporate before hitting the ground creating dry weather so despite decades of extensive studies trials and implementations cloud seeding results are still fairly unpredictable undeterred various cloud seeding methods may have been researched and developed by atmospheric scientists for decades and eagerly adopted and used by the u.s military and entrepreneurs alike to manipulate weather for gain Moreover, the cloud seeding model has been embraced by scientists worldwide as a springboard for developing other weather control technology, right? So what we then have to accept is that weather modification has been going on for years. Now, let me make something very clear. There is a stark difference between weather modification and weather manipulation, all right? And I'm going to talk about the weather manipulation a little bit later or in another episode with regards to the secret devices that other nations of this world have. Right? But almost from the start, scientists and weather control visionaries leapt from the idea of creating local rainfall to the goal of controlling storms and hurricanes. Right? I mean, this is not a conspiratorial thing. This would be beneficial for almost everyone in every state and every person in the world, really that experiences some type of damage done to them caused by natural disasters, right? So, if we rewind the clock a little bit, and we go back to 1946, General Electric scientists wondered if cloud seeding methods might also work to control a hurricane by seeding dry ice and cooling temperatures in the eye, right? In the eye of the storm. So, consequentially, Project Cirrus was born, a joint venture between General Electric, the Office of Naval Research, and the U.S. Weather Bureau. So in 1947, the Cape Sable hurricane was seeded with mixed results. The appearance of the clouds changed, and the hurricane itself abruptly changed direction and unexpectedly hit Georgia and South Carolina. Now, although the General Electric scientists were initially held responsible for the resulting hurricane damage, It was determined later that an upper-level ridge was responsible for the turn, and then litigation was ended on that end, right? But future legal threats did not stop the scientific community from continuing to research and conduct weather modification technology experiments. In fact, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that this may have been one reason why. From then on, weather modification programs assumed an extremely low-profile along with a very high level of classification. And from my recollection and my understanding, this is the very last time the United States government, at least the U.S., allowed a private company to be involved in whether manipulation or modification, right? So GE, General Electric, was the first and last company to be involved in this. So, the next decade or two, once we start bringing it up to pace, saw many of these low profile weather modification programs. So, in 1958, the Navy quietly claimed the ability to create clouds and break them up using a new cloud seeding technology involving carbon black. So, experiments conducted by a US Navy scientist confirmed that when carbon black was sprayed into clear skies, clouds would then form. Spraying liquid carbon black created these long, thin clouds up to a mile long in some instances. So dumping carbon black powder created large single clouds for each powder drop. And so if carbon black was sprayed into existing clouds, it would cause them to disperse. Then, in 1960, Project Skyfire began. which, And the aim of that was to reduce the severity of lightning storms. So a dispenser was developed that produced freezing nuclei nuclei by igniting a silver iodide solution in a propane flame. The sky fire generators were mostly used on ground, but were were also tried on aircraft with, once again, mixed results. At almost the same time, in 1961, a broad experiment called Project Skywater was initiated to to study cloud seeding in different environments and at different times of the year all across the nation. Now, there's one thing I want to mention before going on. Mother Nature, and I I don't mean to sound cheesy, but the world, the earth, the planet, is a living entity in many respects. I mean, scientists can agree to this. This is not some type of conspiratorial proposal I'm putting forward. The earth is a living thing. So it's sort of like what they're doing here, experimenting with clouds. It's like when you're experimenting on the human body. It depends where on the human body you plan to experiment Right, you're gonna have different results depending on which area you experiment on, and it's very circumstantial and it's very contextual. It all depends on what part of the body you are experimenting and conducting your hypotheses and executing them on. Right, so to experiment on clouds in Texas is very different than experimenting on clouds in Egypt, for example. Right, so shortly after. Project Storm Fury came soon, a joint venture between the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration and the U.S. Navy that lasted two decades. So from 1963 to 1983, controlling hurricanes was studied in earnest with the the goal of globally mitigating hurricanes and lessening the damage done, especially to the growing tourist and high-end coastal communities. So after two decades... NOAA ended the program, stating that they were ultimately unable to clearly ascertain whether or not the seeding efforts were really causing storms to weaken or the systems just became victims of the environment around them. However, the program yielded massive amounts of highly valuable weather data, right? Which was then passed on to higher levels within the intelligence community. Now, this happens in a lot of cases. A lot of files get passed up to the intelligence community that where nothing comes of it, but ultimately, it really makes you think. If there is technology, in which UFO technology, for example, that has been reverse engineered, and at this point I would dare to say fairly su- successfully, would it be that much more difficult to manipulate the weather? In a lot of cases, right and. Here's the thing about this. This is why I'm going to be doing a, a sole episode on this later down the road. And that's because when you take a look, for example, at what's going on with the weather. Now, yes, you can attribute that to many different things. And I myself am not a scientist, nor am I an expert on this. But there are a lot of scientists that in, within the scientific community, respected scientists, that are beginning to beg the question as to whether or not there's more to it than just climate change. Right? There have been rumors and whistleblowers who have been silenced or suddenly murdered in, an, in, a, in accidents that have come out and said that weather manipulation is occurring and it is being used to influence domestic wars, to influence many different things because a lot of people don't know this, but the weather influences the, the mood in which humans are in in a lot of cases. Even people who don't believe in this are still affected by this, right? Things like the full moon, that's not exactly weather, but other things like when it's a gloomy day, People can feel rain coming when they have arthritis. People can feel their, their bones kind of get cracky and crunch up. People, in, on a, in a mental aspect, experience depression. Or if it's a very sunny, nice day, they feel very, very happy. And in some cases, vice versa, right? So we cannot rule out the fact that there is a large possibility and a plausible proposal that there is high-level intelligence experiments going on with regards to whether modification but more so weather manipulation right now it turns out that using weather modification technology as a means of warfare had not escaped the imagination of the military again just reading from my notes here only proves the point that i quickly wanted to make so from 1967 to 1972 Operation Popeye, a vast cloud seeding operation, had been responsible for the almost constant rain during the Vietnam War. Right? So, Operation Popeye's weather warfare had softened road surfaces, caused landslides along roadways, washed out river crossings, and kept the Ho Chi Minh trails impassable due to vast amounts of mud. Of course, it was denied at the time until a memo regarding this was leaked and published and then top-secret congressional hearings were held, and then the truth of the matter came out that resulting in the creation of the above-stated laws and eventually the NMOD ban on weather warfare, right? So considering the nature of the U.S. military's top-secret programs, however, whether or not nations, including ours, are currently adhering to this ban is hard to tell. Now, let me just... Elaborate here, I think this is extremely significant and it can't be passed across uh, crossed over Just goes to show you that how much the military and the intelligence communities and I've said this many times before are very I don't want to use the word fragmented because that's a disorganized enunciation of the word but The US military and the intelligence communities are trying to keep as much secrets as they possibly can away from Congress, from the U.S. Senate, from the U.S. House, and in a lot of cases from the United States president, regardless of which party, whether it's Republican or Democrat. Okay? And the reason for that is because they all these hearings and stuff, this is more of just a public sort of exposition or display, if you will, to show the American people and the rest of the world, you know, we're holding... Everyone accountable who's not doing things that they're supposed to be doing. Bull crap. all right? I would dare to say that within domestic and foreign wars, there is weather manipulation or at least, at the very least, weather modification occurring in a lot of instances. I'm not saying it's happening every single time. But when you keep things secret, even if there are laws and there were congressional hearings that have been brought out and there are laws that were put into place if it still remains secret, how do you know whether or not they 're abiding by that law this These congressional hearings back in the day only occurred because of a leaked memo right so ultimately, we don 't know if it 's still going on or not i 'm pretty damn sure that it is right because in the most classified levels of the intelligence community, the laws don't apply that 's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing at least in my view, it really depends on the the morality of the people within the community currently, the intelligence community. Anyways, so even after all this was said and done, particularly when the space race had begun, the 1960s saw the first studies and experiments intended to increase the understanding of our Earth's magnetosphere. And this, of course, included how the magnetosphere might be influencing weather and climate. Nuclear test explosions in the upper atmosphere that had been conducted in the 50s had created an artificial radiation belt that had led to the discovery of the Van Allen belts, which were layers of trapped radiation in the atmosphere. So in an attempt to study the belts and the roles of the other layers of the magnetosphere, numerous sounding rocket or research rocket experiments began in what would be called magnetospheric modification. And again, folks, these are just... Big words that mean the same thing. They're exploring different parts of weather manipulation and they're investigating the residue and the collateral, I guess you could say, damage that was left when they were doing experiments decades earlier. So at the end of the day, this hasn't stopped, right? So for the next decade or so, vapor and metal particles and eventually plasma were released into upper atmospheric regions creating artificial ion clouds within the various layers of the magnetosphere, which could then be studied. So some of these experiments revealed that if the ionosphere was heated, it could be used for global communication, space warfare sort of anti-satellite and ICBMs and defense, climate control and terrestrial weather modification. It was theorized that ultrafine particle and condensation nuclei were being formed in the LONOSPHERE, or sorry, the ionosphere, which filtered down to become cloud condensation and ice nuclei, which in turn influenced cloud formation. Atmospheric scientists postulated that therefore the manipulation of the upper atmosphere could influence terrestrial weather conditions. So by 1978, many American scientists, as well as Dr. Andrew Mitrowski of the Canadian State Department, agreed that there was evidence that the Soviets were pulsing extremely low-frequency ELF waves into the upper atmosphere, causing changes in the jet stream. So this resultingly led to a dramatic shift in the jet stream caused the worst El Nino on record for 100 years back in 1983. And again, folks, this is, I'm not just saying that the U.S. is doing this. This is Russia as well. So not long after, in 1990, funds were approved for HARP, which stands for High Frequency Active Auroral Research Project. Right, based in Alaska, HARP was, and it still is, the largest ionospheric heater in the country. Although its ownership has changed hands several times, which was originally run by the Air Force Research Lab and the Office of Naval Research. It served as both a research facility and a military facility, enabling a more advanced understanding of the magnetosphere and ultimately becoming a global communication center. However, considering the Soviet experiments, the US military might have had more in mind than advancements in communication, right? Now, let me just start by saying that the discovery of this type of communication through weather modification is nothing short of extraordinary, it really is from a scientific perspective and I'm I'm a big fan of this what the scientific community does it really is a a very intriguing thing but we cannot keep our take our eye off the ball we have to stay focused on what is really going on under the table behind the scenes and listen there's a there's a a decent percentage that nothing's going on behind the scenes but I think there's a much larger percentage to suggest that experimentation beyond our our grasp is going on behind the scenes. And at this point in time, I would dare to say, thanks to different technologies shared from other off-world beings and what have you, weather manipulation, and I'm not talking about chemtrails, by the way, weather manipulation is something that may be one step closer to being controlled as each day goes by, if not already, right? So... we have to think about what harp was doing okay because this sort of acted as a a front end if you will right and so the harp array looks like a sort of large field of antennas and the frequencies generated are projected high into the ionosphere where they can then be focused and directed anywhere in the world right so some people have claimed that the frequencies generated by HARP can be used for anything from creating earthquakes to mind control, as well as being a weaponized weather control machine. So in 1999, the European Parliament passed a resolution calling for more information on the environmental and health risks posed by HARP, calling it a serious global concern. And scientists at HARP dismissed the claim, asserting it was nothing more than a radio science research facility, However, concerns over HARP persisted, and it was shut down as a US military facility in 2014 amid negative publicity. Its ownership was then transferred to the University of Alaska Fairbanks, where university studies and experiments continue. Now, this is where it gets a little bit complicated. I think on the front end, the US is more than willing to comply. But on the back end, they're really saying, screw this, we're not doing this because, we're not shutting this down because of bad publicity right all of their findings have probably been transferred to another location where experiments have been taking place just because Europe complained about it doesn't mean that they're going to fucking stop right ultimately that it's not going to be that so we have to then keep our eye on the ball if you will and understand that harp is not a closed thing maybe institutionally and on the front end it is but on the back end we honestly we can't tell for sure all i can say is this based on leaked projects in the past would you really put it past the U.S. government or the U.S. military to say, yeah, we're going to shut it down and then really do things still behind the scenes? Maybe that university is just another version of a front for Harp, if you will, right? And this is not something that needs to be fear-mongered or needs to be something that is concerned about immediately, but it's something that if we look at in the long term may in fact be detrimental to understanding certain agendas, black budget agendas, Right? So the thing about cloud seeding technology, putting HARP aside for a second, continues onwards. Scientists at the those at the Mastar Institute began to research how to accelerate cloud seeding operations and make them more reliable using nanotechnology, which is another big thing as well, by the way, because using nanotech to enhance cloud seeding particles means that the condensation process could potentially increase by orders of magnitudes that we cannot grasp currently. It could even reach beyond this this planet, really. And so additionally, new electric rain making technology was developed using lasers and lasers and cloud ionizers, right? Through the advancements and innovations of nanotechnology. This is not necessarily a bad thing. And I would like to think that the people who are doing these experiments currently are people that we can trust no matter how dangerous the experiments are, right? And it seems like a lot of things have been contained for the past many years, not just with weather manipulation, but with many different things. But again, HARP, CERN, these are all groups and institutions in which I'm very concerned about. Even though HARP is officially shut down, we all know at the end of the day, it's not really shut down. Right? Maybe the company Harp is shut down, but the, the fundamental values and investment into weather manipulation and modification is still going on without a shadow of a doubt. Right, These frequency-based technologies using not only weather manipulation and modification, but nanotechnology to help that influence the weather around the world just shows that there's no way to, to sort of draw a physical barrier or line on other countries. So technically speaking, if there's another war somewhere else in the world that the U.S. gets involved in, whether manipulation could be a massive advantage for them, could be huge. And not only that, but whether manipulation helped the U.S. military back in the day, back in the 60s and 70s. Imagine nowadays with nanotechnology, what could be done? The advantages that the U.S. military could have and at the, end of the, at the end of the day, they don't care about their congressional hearings and all that crap, right? So, we can, I mean, we can't, we can't say that it's officially shut down. I mean, I guess formally on a front end, right? So let me know what you guys think because there are still things that, projects that went on, right? For example, like Project uh, rain aid which was subsequently shut down, but Rain Aid is still going on to this very day. They were banned from experimenting in many different places, and they're still continuing it regardless, because no one has the ability every day, unless you have the resources to wake up and say, hmm, is the weather being manipulated today? Right? But ultimately, we also have to think that the global elites, if you will, the ones that don't have our best interests in mind, that have been kind of caught up in this game that they've been playing with other global elites against one another. They don't serve any benefit to have weather be a destructive force for this planet, right? I mean, I guess if the, if it were to result in large amounts of profit then possibly. But at the end of the day, they, generally speaking, unless I'm a little naive to this particular subtopic, I don't see a reason why some rich elite guy would want or a woman would want to manipulate the weather in such a way that it would affect the rest of the people. Because you have to understand the rich elites, they need people in order to make their money. But we also have to be very vigilant and we have to keep our eye on the ball because we don't understand and have not publicly been disclosed to this type of research and information and we have not grasped the ability to which this could extend to. If it's used just for warfare then I guess fine, but if it can somehow affect or have some type of chain reaction to people, not just in the West, but to other innocent, hard-working, everyday people that are around the world, then that is a big danger. Not just to the, to this country and to this nation and to this continent, but to the whole planet ultimately, because if something is created that ultimately then spans off into space. Who knows the science behind that? Who knows what would happen, right? So, ultimately, my goal here in this episode is to say be vigilant, keep your mind open, because we must not jump to radical conspiracies, but we must not jump to concluding that HARP, because HARP has been shut down by the Obama administration that suddenly experimentation with the weather has stopped. So let me know what you guys think, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.